What's up, nerds? Welcome to Captain's Quarters, the Star Trek rewatch podcast by Nerdific.com. This is the podcast where we are rewatching the entire Star Trek catalog starting at the beginning of the timeline. Today we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise, Season 2, Episode 8, called The Communicator. My name's Gabe. I'm here with Jason. Make it so, Jason. How are you doing, buddy? Good, man. Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga exciting stuff um this episode finds the crew of the enterprise visiting an unnamed planet jason and i can't figure out what the planet's named so we're assuming they never name it yeah i think it was i'm pretty sure it was unnamed we see them returning to the enterprise after their visit we don't necessarily um know everything they were doing down there they wore prosthetics to blend in with the humanoids down below and the inhabitants were pre-warp and jason would you say they were like kind of like a i feel like kind of a cold war era oh absolutely um but i don't know which side would you say they were russian or american oh i don't know but yeah absolutely it did have that feel to it um as we'll get in as we get into this episode uh you, it definitely so, has that yeah one side I'm, was called the alliance right yeah that's a good point so but my point is that they were post-industrial yeah but mm-hmm. but pre-computer age i think yeah mm-hmm. and definitely pre-war uh i mean they had yeah pre-warp but they could figure out some of the technology a little bit. Yeah, right. There was one point when they I, had a very specific name for uh, the phase pistol that yeah. I was like, I was impressed that he like had the vocabulary to describe the uh, the technology. Yep. But basically, so what happens is that Reed finds out that he left his uh, communicator on the planet, his his technologically advanced communicator, and the basically the worry is that this piece of technology is going to contaminate the culture in the planet, and so. Uh, Archer and Reed go back to the planet to go get the communicator. They get captured. Um, uh, there's a local commander who captures them, uh, General Gosis. Gosis. No, it's Pell, actually. So it was Pell. Okay. So they go to the tavern where they were sitting. Mm-hmm. And they... So Archer and Reed go back to the tavern... And they're doing some scans to trying to triangulate where the um, where the the communicator is, um, and it's in this room behind this locked door. And so you kind of, so I felt that you kind of had this feeling of, ooh, they've already found it, and this is a trap. But yeah, yeah. so it's Pell that captures them, and questions what this thing is he's holding in his hand archer lies they search him and they find the 
phase pistol and the scanners on them. And then they try and then they inform General Ghosts. I see. Yeah, and so they're basically so this this group down there, this this culture of the society is obviously in some kind of conflict with the alliance they keep calling it. And so yeah. they they assume Archer and Reed are part of this alliance. Um and so they they basically they do like x-rays on them and they see their organs are unlike their own uh at one point well they're tortured so archer and reed are are imprisoned and tortured and you know they they kind of rough archer up a little bit so they knock off a piece of his prosthetic and realize that he's bleeding red, and apparently this alien species doesn't bleed red? Apparently. Apparently? Yeah. And then they go um, into your... Go ahead, sorry. No, just just in general, they, they notice that something is off with the humans. Uh, so, basically, Archer and Reed... This is like, I wanted to say this to the end, but it's hard not to say it up front, which is like, instead of saying like, hey, we're a peaceful alien species, they basically play along with this idea that they are alliance spies, and then they being, Reed makes up a lie that they're genetically modified, um, that, that they're, um, what was the other part of the lie, that they were genetically modified, that they're... They're spies and... Yeah, they're spies, um, genetically modified, enhanced, and they have this advanced weaponry. Right, yeah. And so, so at the same time, up on Enterprise, uh, Tucker kind of puts together a plan to use the old uh, Sulaban ship with cloaking technology to go rescue them. Uh, kind of on the side note there, Tucker... As he's trying to engage the, the the cloaking technology on this on the Sulaban ship, his arm gets cloaked inadvertently. Uh, Flox doesn't really know how to fix it, but he's like, "I think it'll go away in a couple hours," and it does over the over the span of the episode. Um. So so yeah, basically, Archer and Reed are like about to get hung by these people because Archer refuses to clarify that, hey, we're not your enemy. We're just here visiting. And as they're about to get hung, uh, T'Pol and Tucker uh, and uh, Mayweather, maybe, uh, go down and uh, yep. in the Suliban ship cloaked and basically come in guns blazing i think they're i think their phase guns are on stun and uh, yeah they, they shoot they shoot all the 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 captors and they save uh archer and reed and go back to the ship so that's the abbreviated synopsis any key details you wanted to to point out there but, yeah uh, um i mean some some minor ones uh, a minor one first um so this general suggests, you know, our seems to think that Archer and Reed were sent there to assassinate uh, Chancellor Colteri, I think, is what this... So this alliance is obviously trying to 
you know, this is incredibly um, paranoid uh, culture at the moment, at the moment in their history. And then when you say guns blazing, it's funny because this alien species really do have you know, guns. <laughs> right, Pro- projectile <laughs> you know, you hear bullets. The bang, bang, you know, yeah, um, of a gun. And then at the end... This general ghostess sees this witnesses. I think we're supposed. I think as viewers, I think we're supposed to. To, to think that, he's what he's seeing is that the that the tides are turning and that his, that this alliance, um, is got this advanced weaponry and now it will make them even more probably paranoid, mm-hmm. and more scared and you know um everything that you do in fear um right and that it could get worse before it gets better right and probably not a good reaction right exactly unlikely that he'll retreat more likely he'll double right right and then at the end um the the moment between Archer and Topol, where they're talking about, have we contaminated this culture? And he comes to this realization that, yes, they have, and that there are repercussions to their exploration and to their getting involved or even just trying to seek out new life and new civilizations, that there can be consequences to it. Right. So... The the theme, and why it's important to have the prime directive to, to have a soon to be prime directive at some right. point. Yeah, so we've so we've I'm glad you said that. So we touched on the infancy of the prime directive many times now at this point in this show. Yeah. So, but what's interesting about this episode? is it shows the extent which Archer is willing to uh, maintain the spirit of the Prime Directive, which is a testament to, like, he's, basic, he's basically the, the ultimate hero. Is, I, that's how I read this episode. Yeah. Is that, mm-hmm. is that Archer is... He was prepared to, die, to give his life yeah, right. for this. For these people that he doesn't even know, who are completely hostile to him, and they're and by the way, the reason they were going to kill him is so that they could dissect him and and study right. these quote unquote genetic enhancements, um, you know, for the benefit of their war. Despite all that, Archer was willing to to lie so that they wouldn't contaminate their culture, which is pretty incredible, and so I. I, on one hand, I, maybe I'm undecided. Like, I don't know if this is, like, a testament to, like, Archer as the ultimate hero. Or if Archer is an avatar for the the philosophy behind why the Prime Directive is important. Because, like I said, we've dabbled with it many times now. But this is the first time where it's, like, no. Like, this is, like, dead serious. Like, yeah. this is, like you have to die for this because yeah, like, that's yeah. how important it is. Yeah. Um, which on one hand it's like, 
uh, I get, and I've talked about before where I kind of entrust Star Trek writers to like speak the truth, but I, I'm a little lost in, in the weeds, Jason, to be honest. Like, I, d I don't know if I'm convinced that like the contamination of this culture would have such bad consequences that it's worth like, you know, dying over <laughs> You know, like if 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 it somehow led to the extermination of an entire civil civilization, I get it. But it's like that seems to be like an unknown. I don't know, especially when it's a communicator. Like I would understand if you left warp technology or antimatter or weapons, but it's just a communicator. Sure. Well, we could say that, but. I think, yeah, we can both say that, but I think in a lot of ways, I'm going to point out the alternative, right? If they are able to dissect this advanced technology, this communicator, they're going to want to try to, you know, and I'm not saying that they're going to. But the, one of the potential possibilities is that they would use this advanced technology to further advance their own research into weaponry and their own tactics to give them the leg up against the other side, the alliance. The, the worry is that any advantage any disruption in their natural evolution, any disruption of what their research and development is at the time. I mean, yeah, it it can just be, it may just be a communicator, but if you left it and it seemed like that they had the will, they had the know-how and the science to at least dissect this communicator, they could potentially gear it up and turn it into a weapon and completely obliterate the other side. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think a lot of these things are worried about is that when you interfere with the pre-warp culture, you might, you're going to alter the destiny of, of the, of this pre-warp society. And I think it's a pretty cautious tale in, and does it and does the prime directive in the future get broken? Absolutely. Because where's that line, right? There's always a line that you don't cross mm -hmm. or that you do cross. And I think this episode to me incredibly, you know, um again, it was really intriguing because even the smallest thing like a communicator mm -hmm. has the potential to alter the destiny of this alien species and potentially turn the tide and give the advantage. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year or five years, but a decade, two decades, you know, you're going to look back and be like, Oh, it's this communicator that they turned into a weapon. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, I just can't help but think like that's how, why this show is amazing or why this franchise is amazing. The fact that yeah. they would explore the intricacies of this. I, I can't think of any other franchise that would no. that would go there. Yeah. 
and, um, and it goes beyond science fiction. I mean, Star Trek changed science fiction in many ways. Mm-hmm. And and the and the interesting thing is now, right? So say you're General Gosis, right? And you've seen phasers and you know phase pistols, and you've seen now you're now you're even more paranoid. Now what are you gonna do? As a general, right? You're probably... What are you going to do? You're going to ratchet mm-hmm. up your own forces, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Or do you pull back and say, Oh, man, we're going to get annihilated if we're not careful. Because from General Ghost's point of view, is that he believes that they were infiltrators from the other side. Mm-hmm. And now do you tighten the screw now? Or do you dial it back and, you know... Who knows? It may lead into a full-scale hot war, and you have these two sides obliterating each other because of this... Right, yeah. Because of this tiny little, like, you know, mistake that the Enterprise Enterprise and her crew made. Right. Tiny, tiny little thing. Yeah. It almost seems like maybe they should leave their tech at home when they go. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if if the stakes are really that high, like maybe uh I mean, they need to be able to communicate if something goes wrong, but I don't know. It's just an interesting it's interesting how the the show and the franchise spells out both sides and there doesn't seem to be a right answer. And I th- I feel like this show in particular, I don't know about other Star Trek series but this one in particular it's like it seems like oftentimes the episode um presents this like this paradox and then you have to like make a decision of which side you're on and then um so and and that's what this franchise does really and and it gets more and more so next generation really at at deep space nine and Voyager, we really get to go, wow, did Picard or Cisco or Janeway, would we've done that same thing? Because, you know, there are more gray areas that we get to explore in the other, in this, and we're, and we're doing it in this, in this series, but we get to do it a lot in like Next Gen and um, Deep Space Nine and Voyager we get to really see those gray areas where you're like, ooh, they've made a human decision, right? They're not so polished and pristine. They make mistakes, and they're prone to error, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do things that you're like, ooh. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's uh, more of that uh, in our future, buddy. And and at, at first, this episode presents itself pretty quickly as as what we're talking about. At first, I was like, "Oh man, I feel like we already did this." But uh, just kind of reflecting on it, it was like, you know what? No, like this was like the purest form of 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 that theme that they've touched on before, and it's I felt like it was their opportunity to really yeah. drive it home. And it like this is a this is a big deal. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, another thing was um, 
I think this episode had some evolution for Reed. Because if you remember the uh, the episode that was sort of uh, in a bottle with Tucker, um, where they're in the shuttle pod shuttle one, shuttle pod maybe? one, yeah, shuttle pod one, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you, you remember, Reed was um, the pessimistic one, and yep. Tucker was the optimistic one. But in this episode, it was Reed and Archer who were, who were in a bottle, and Reed yeah. was the optimistic one in a very sort of outward way. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was like. We have to have faith that they're going to save us the, or something. The, yeah, the, yeah, they were talking in the prison cell, and he says, "Yeah, we could die, but in a, I, I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that, you know, the the to Paul and and you know to Paul et al will come busting through that door, and yeah. you know saving us. So and they and they did." And and Archer wasn't necessarily on the same same train of thought as him. Archer was a yeah, little bit more pessimistic. Yeah. yeah. So so I thought that was pretty cool that that was sort of redemption for Reed's character, because uh, he did seem it was like his pessimism was sort of like a turnoff, I would say, but a I little thought, bit. I thought that was cool that that they brought him around like that. And proved him right that he had faith in his friends and they came through for him. You know. Yeah. On a similar on a similar wavelength, at the end when Archer and T'Pol are talking, did you find it? Su- were you surprised that Arch- that T'Pol said that she was, um, that she would not have? You know, she wasn't expecting him expecting archer to risk or sacrifice his life um to protect those inhabitants were you surprised um, by that or so i actually don't remember that so to paul said to archer i'm surprised you're willing to do that like basically like as a human i'm surprised you would be like show she su- was show such at uh, her su- at his selflessness and yeah. she was impressed, I think. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it gave the impression that she was impressed that right. he would have that he was going to do that. Uh I I didn't think about it that hard, but I do remember thinking that like T'Pol was coming from the point of like, oh, you're human, you're selfish. Right. And, as opposed to like you're archer, you're selfish. Like, I thought it wasn't necessarily a personal judgment of Archer as opposed to, like, a generalized judgment of humans. Okay. What did you think? Yeah, I thought I I, I was a little bit, it was a little bit more, I thought it was a little bit more directed at Archer. But then it was confused, I was confused because, you know, I was a little bit taken aback because of all the things that these two characters have been through in these two seasons thus far that she would know and understand him but now that you mention that i think you're i think you're right i think it was much more of a general comment on humanity itself than mm-hmm. archer the person yeah well and then at the end um tucker still has a hole in his hand from yeah. the <laughs> diminishing effects of the the uh, cloaking from the Sulaban ship that they still had on board. 
I was thinking it would be cool if he kept that. Like sometimes characters have cool scars and stuff. I think it'd be really cool if that like lingered for like the the remainder of the show. I don't think they will, but then he didn't wear a glove the whole yeah. thing for the rest of the <laughs> Yeah. That's my secret hope that they keep that up. But you know, considering how episodic everything is, I doubt that'll happen. But actually yeah, although actually there have been these mini arcs in this Yeah. You know, where it's like, it is still sort of episodic, but it's like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. we need repair and we have to go to the station and right. you know, it follows two episodes or three episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that I, so this episode in the beginning reminded me, I want to go back because this reminded me um, of an episode called A Piece of the Action. I think is that what it's called uh it's an original series episode and it's called a piece of the action i think and it's where dr mccoy leaves his communicator on this planet of gangsters (laughs) 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 and so kirk Kirk, spock and mccoy have him down and one of the famous one of the most well-known lines and i'm gonna screw it up but kirk goes um you know uh if you move in on the federation we're gonna move in on you and (laughs) you want a piece of the pie we'll take the whole pie nice and it was this really 1930s you know chicago gangster kind of deal (laughs) that's awesome um but then it turned much more serious than as you said, it turned much more serious than the original series episode, A Piece of the Action. Okay. But initially, I was like, oh, I wonder if this has inspired them. If that episode inspired this episode. It had to have, right? If they left a communicator I think so. behind? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Well, so what would you have done? Oh, man. Honestly, I would have... I would have uh I would have told him I was an alien. Really? It'd be different if it was like something that I knew for sure would like result in them like wiping out like millions of people, but to me that's still mm-hmm. it's I just don't do well with what ifs. It's Okay. It's I think we've talked about this before. It's one of my favorite or I don't know if favor is the right word, but it's something I fixate on is when people take action based on a what if, um, particularly when it like is like an, an uh, offensive against someone else. Um, sure. Like as you're like, as if you are sort of heading them off at the pass, but I'm, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm always bumped when people don't like, admit that they don't know if there even is a pass yeah yeah yeah. right yeah and then i'm like um it bothers me that it's not presented as like multiple options it's always presented as like if we don't do this then this will happen it's like right there's infinite possibilities like sure 
and you can't be so reckless as to like make those around you believe that there's one one you know way this is going to end like you don't have a crystal ball you don't right. know we can talk this through and try to figure out if we do think there's a likelihood of a something happening we, i'm sure we can find a way that's like that we think that can likely peacefully resolve it or something so um i know i've talked about this before on this show but you know i think it'll come up again I don't know if this is the best example of it, but it's just, it's something that I fixate on. And I, and I definitely, you know, there's flavors of that in this episode where I'm like, <laughs> I'm willing to take the risk. Like in the episode when, um, you know, they had the opportunity to, to save that, that species who uh, their, their genes were sort of like, mutating them into extinction Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. flocks had like a treatment for it and they decided not to share it like see i was on the side of like give it to them and like let's try to figure out how to give it to them but also save the species the subservient species you know like to me like i'm always like looking for the compromise as opposed to like dealing in absolutes so so yeah sure how about you because only a sith deals in absolutes <laughs> i think that's literally what you said last time absolutely <laughs> how about you man what would you have done in archer's oh, shoes uh, i mean given the parameters i mean it's it's always fun to talk about given the parameters and I and I did think about this because if you say you're an alien, you're probably gonna get well. This general is probably gonna want to try to get his hands on Enterprise, and try desperately to get the upper hand, and you know, warp technology, phaser pistols, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to give him the advantage to wiping out the in wiping out this alliance that they're fighting against. Um, You know, and to tell, and, you know, if you were Archer, if I were Archer, you know, tell them that, oh, yes, we came in a starship that can travel faster than light or whatever the case might be. So within the parameters on the guidelines of this episode, I think I would have probably... I would like to think that I would have probably went in Archer's direction and hope for a rescue um, and not divulge anything more. Knowing that you probably already... Knowing that I've probably already given them a little bit too much by even being there and even having them see phasers and communicators and, you know, all of these things... I'm not sure if I would have said an alien because then they would have tried to, again, you know, probably take hostage and try to use them as a as a bargaining chip for, you know, the safety of the, you know, to trade for advanced technology. It's tough. It's tough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's why, you know, and that's why, you know, as we were talking about this before, that's why these episodes are, this is, I say this a lot, but this is one of my favorite episodes thus far in season two, um, because we do really, really get into the weeds about the prime directive and the importance of non-interference in other um, cultures uh, and other species specifically mm-hmm. warp cultures uh, pre-warp cultures and man oof, I don't even want to know what would happen afterwards because you think about it and you're like oof, now that you know like we were talking about before this general now thinks that the other side has developed all these advanced technologies right yep yeah that would weigh on me for sure i know that much yeah absolutely me too there's also um you know it might be automatic to some the idea of having compassion for this completely foreign species and planet but that's one thing I think the show like demonstrates is like compassion first, which honestly I think is largely devoid in almost all other media. Like I feel like any other show would have basically treated them like they wouldn't even had considered the future of this species because mm-hmm. the self-preservation math just doesn't add up it's like this is just some random species that we just happen upon who cares we didn't even know they existed a day ago right we're definitely not gonna like give our lives for them but like this show some of the philosophy is so evolved that that they they bring that into it where i mean like other other franchises other media would just like gladly like blow them off the map you know what i mean yeah. So. And again, to your point, I mean, it's beautiful because there is no, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know if there is a right or a wrong here. Um, and that's, and I think that's the beauty of it, where there's a lot of gray area. Because that's life, right? You know, it, it, it you, you can say it depends, right? And there's always, because there is always gray area. And that's, you know, it's not always a right or wrong answer, right? I'm not saying that archer's viewpoint was right or what i would have done is or yours is or whatever the case might be mm-hmm. that's the fun part of having a podcast like this is that we get to talk about it and have fun and you know yeah mm-hmm. have a barroom chat have a 10 forward chat i should say <laughs> i think we could use more prime directives in many of our activities in life in life and i think sure. it, i think it would uh it would uh make the world a better place for sure so yeah but again like i said even with the the policy of non-interference there's many a times and we'll see this moving forward a many a times where the captains have broken the prime directive because their moral compass said no this is wrong and we need to do what they believe was right in their heart of hearts and in their minds. And it's Mm -hmm. not always so clean. (laughs) Yeah. I think this show benefits from generations of analyzing the themes and the, the philosophies of the franchise and they've honed them 
in some regard, I, I assume, to their purest form. So we get the benefit of like exploring that stuff. So, you know, because like Rick Berman and Brandon Braggett, they would be ninjas in, in the themes of, you know, the themes established from the previous uh, iterations, you know. So that part's pretty cool, honestly. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that comment. No, that, I totally agree. A, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. And in and in, in many ways, um, oh man, I'm gonna get killed. I'm gonna get <laughs> so many. I would get so many comments from Star Trek fans now, but like a lot of the iterations now. Thank you, J.J. Abrams. No offense to J.J. Abrams. I think he's a great director, <laughs> but no, actually, there have been many times. <laughs> I think even on this <laughs> podcast, where I ripped it for pseudo ruining two franchises. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, to you know, uh, to to be more broadly appeal to be more broadly appealing to make more money to audiences. Um, but that's just my that's just my opinion. There goes old man Jason in his rocking chair. The old curmudgeon. That's all right, man. I think I'm more... Every every year that goes by, I'm more... Not that you're, like, older than me, but I'm just saying, like, right. that I'm more on your side than I was when you first started complaining about J.J. Abrams uh, back in the day. That's right, buddy. That's right, <laughs> buddy. Come on over to the other side. I think it took some Dave... Um, Fellini, Dave Filoni, okay. <laughs> what did I sorry? I Dave Filoni and uh, Dave John Filoni. Favreau. Yeah, sorry, I can't mess up his name, but yeah, I think it took some of their art to like kind of awaken me to what things could be or what they should be. But hey, I have a J.J. Abrams theory. Okay. That I can't find anybody support me online, which is that he uses red robots in his art. Um, because of his brand, Bad Robot. Yeah, sure. I could believe that. I could buy that. Like yeah, I know, I'd buy that, yeah. There's a red robot in episode 7. When they really? When to Maz's tavern? Is her name Maz? Yeah. Maz Kanata, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, they go to her tavern. Right at the entrance, there's a giant red robot. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. Yeah. Although uh, I try to wipe out a lot of those, it was, those three movies. It was just trailer fodder. Oh, okay. 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 It had no no plot significance whatsoever. Sure. 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 Okay. And then in the, sh- the HBO show um, Westworld, I think in season three early on, there's another giant red robot. Oh, okay. I think okay. it's some kind of police robot. And okay. J.J. Abrams had some part of that show. Okay. Okay. I think that maybe there was other examples. I don't know. I tweeted him. Of course, I did not get a response. Well, but... I wouldn't be surprised because the logo is a red robot, isn't it? Yeah. It's a yeah. boxy... Mm-hmm. Um... Cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it, it should be one of those things like, like, you know, when George Lucas uses 1138... Yeah, in his that's a, that's a tribute to his, his first um, American Graffiti. 
Oh, no, that's right. His, his first first th- film as a THX one one three eight. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then obviously the THX, you know, named after that as well. Right. Right. And where did he get um, Skywalker's uh, sound? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that one's really obscure. Only a few people know that one. Yeah, no. Right. No, but like, so that's like common knowledge, the 1138 thing. Right, like, right, right. Relatively right. common. Right. And yet this red robot thing, I don't, can't tell if I'm crazy or not, but like I Google no, it and there's I, no I, hits I, at I all. wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Because, okay. you know, there's always... I mean, you find that in many of... Another example of J.J. Abrams, I think he casts his one friend Mm -hmm. in all of his movies. Um, (laughs) He's... uh, Boy, I really don't want to be mean-spirited or anything, but he's a heavy-set dude. And And he was a pilot... Oh yeah, in, yeah. In, in, he was an X-wing pilot, I think. I know, I know what he looks like. I have no idea what his name is. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Um, you know, he was the he was the um, space tower control in one of the Star Trek movies uh, where Enterprise goes to the space station Yorktown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so dude doesn't be, look like an actor. Like I feel like he, no, he, yeah. he looks like he's making like a cameo, like he's like yeah. a producer. I don't know. No offense to that dude, I doubt he'll ever yeah, do this. But I'm really sorry. Whatever your name, someone's <laughs> gonna tell us in the comments and be like, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I don't, I don't know, man. That's better than himself, though, right? Oh, I guess no. You know what? I think he he did make an appearance. He, in episode he nine. does. I think yeah. he's done. I think he's done. Didn't he do voices? Didn't he? Wasn't he the voice of a computer or something? <laughs> oh yeah. Wasn't J.J. Abrams the voice of something in 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 one of the start in one of the Star Wars movies? I know. I know he made an appearance. I can't remember if it was a voice or like in the flesh, but. Or in costume, whatever. But right. Yeah. Or he was a stormtrooper or something. Probably, yeah. Or he goes. Ah! No, 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 that that goes <laughs> be, that goes back to the original. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, uh, I think with with this devolving into a Star Wars talk, I think we're we're yeah. good. That, I think so too. That means it's time to end the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, we always, you know, we always have Star Wars references or whatever. <laughs> and I always try to bridge the the two franchises together because they're not the same and you can't compare them and one's not better than the other. They're, they're just to- they're just different paradigms. The more yeah. I watch this show, I feel like they're barely even the same genre. No, yeah, no, yeah. no. I always think of Star Wars as a, as a, as a, as a, as a family soap opera set in space in a fantasy world, in yeah. a fantasy universe. Mm-hmm. 
more than science fiction. Agreed. All right, my man. Well, anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I think we covered everything. Again, I, I I'm I'm very excited that we went they went in this direction um and we really really did a serious dive into shaping the foundations of the federation oh although although i did i did want to mention and i did want to say so this so they've had this Suleban cell ship since they rescued clang on board mhm right mhm and so I'm a, I'm a little surprised that Tucker hasn't, and maybe he has, but he hasn't been trying to adapt Suleban cloaking technology to, yeah, you know, to you know, trying to use Suleban technology and try to integrate it with, and maybe it's not compatible with Enterprise, um, because we haven't gotten to the Treaty of Algeron yet. Star Trek fans, Treaty of Algeron. <laughs> No, that's a great point. It's kept the Federation. It's kept the Federation <laughs> tied with one hand tied behind our back for seventy-five years. <laughs> no, hey, but that's a great point. Um, that I wonder. I wonder if it is meant to be the origin story of Starfleet's ability to, because they have cloaking technology and subsequent iterations right well no because of no they did not they do not develop well they do but it's not for like hundred it's not until the 24th century i see and because of and because of the this treaty that i just mentioned Mm -hmm. uh they don't okay okay Fair enough. Well, and we know the Klingons have the technology too. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's a great point. Um, it, I guess it is nice that they threw in the danger element of it because that would like sort of prohibit Tucker from doing anything he wants with it because it's so dangerous. So yeah. So yeah. And maybe and like I said, maybe it's too advanced to you know. Um, to be compatible with enterprises you know current circuitry and technology and stuff like that that you can kind of you might overload the circuits or something if i push the i'm giving her all she's got captain (laughs) (laughs) all right well with that everyone thanks for listening please follow us on spotify it helps us uh exist in the universe uh, if you do nothing else and it costs you nothing just click that follow button you know it's not going to take up memory on your phone or whatever just literally just click follow and then be done with it and then listen to the next episode it'll make you feel good yeah so it'll feed it'll feed the two hosts yeah <laughs> <laughs> can i have some more <laughs> all right well Thanks, and live long and prosper. And may the Schwartz be with you!